coming up, we're talking the big payback. Revenge. In the WWE, wait for it, Thunderdome. The man with the plan starts now. The man with the plan. What's up, world? It's yours truly, be the man, the man with the plan. Did you miss me? Today, we're talking all about this past Sunday's WWE pay-per-view payback. Just a week after SummerSlam, WWE continues to come swinging with another pay-per-view. Did it deliver? Let's break it on down. During the kickoff show, about halfway in, as the kickoff panel is breaking down at night, who other than R-Truth busts in, thinking it's time for Raw Talk, having his script and all, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. But the kickoff panel, Charlie Caruso, Booker T, JBL, Jerry the King Lawler, and Peter Rosenberg all let him know. <laughs> He's a day early. Raw Talk is the following night. After all, not doing payback, but after all, the following night. <laughs> As always, R Truth continues to be a gem to WWE programming. Whether he's got that 24 7 I 95 South 48 7 7 11 European Championship or hosting his game show on the WWE Network or anything else in between. Our truth continues to shine in the humor department after 12 years in his second WWE run. On another kickoff show, noteworthy item, Booker T continues to voice his stance on none other than Big E of the New Day and how Big E needs to be serious and how acting more serious will get him a main event push and opportunities at the big pieces of gold. In a rare moment for me, since about 2012, I found myself agreeing with JBL. JBL noted how Booker T had to spin a Rooney catchphrases such as can you dig it, sucker? Tell me I didn't just see that and plenty more. And also how Booker T was a king with an accent in two different promotions. My words, not JBL's. And he's been a world champion himself. All of that, all of those factors, spin a Rooney catchphrases, a king with an accent in two different promotions. Between WWE programming and the group I'm in on Facebook, shouts out to my peeps at NAAW, I've heard both sides of the coin ad nauseum for weeks, months, and years since New Day's inception, which is exactly why I'm rocking the shirt as I record this podcast. I've even spoken on it during the Extreme Rules edition of the podcast. Don't sleep on New Day's aggression. As I've cheap plugged, I know all about having a fight to be taken seriously. In New Day's case, it's not like it's their first rodeo of ever getting serious. Kofi, we've seen him when it's go time over the past 11 years. Xavier, we've seen him put it down on the microphone and in the ring in more serious feuds, such as feuds with the Usos, Wyatt Family, Later down the line, Harper and Rowan, when they were the Bludgeon Brothers, he certainly put it down. And of course, the man in question, Big E. Man was the second ever NXT champion, won an Intercontinental Championship. He told us, three ain't enough. Man, I need five. He himself has said it ad nauseum. Probably better than I can. 
The man is ready. He can do wailing. He can do dealing. But he don't do no damn squealing. Some James Brown for y'all. That one's got me a little hyped. So I had to keep with the theme and quote some James Brown. Now, getting into some in-ring action. We're going into the kickoff match. Kickoff match was Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot versus the Iconics. Liv and Ruby Riot are officially back together. They've got matching gear. From the jackets to the plaid-like pattern, it seems like these ladies are back on the same page. Meanwhile, the Iconics coming down to the ring with Mike and Toe let the newly reformed Riot Squad know the reunion is going to be short-lived. Starting the match off here, Iconics come out the gate strong, landing in some major offense on Liv Morgan. There's a little apprehension between Liv and Ruby, as Ruby tags Liv as she was gearing up to land a running attack off the ropes. On the outside, Peyton Royce runs, making Ruby chase her, luring Ruby into a Shades of K big boot from Billy K. Little later on, as Peyton tags Billy, the two land a double foot choke in the corner of Ruby Wyatt. Samoa Joe, in a hilariously timed line, lets Byron Saxton know on commentary, the Iconics have got their swag on. Reminds me of a now former acquaintance of mine. Later on, double gourd buster from the Iconics. Following that, we've got the Iconics trying to play mind games with Liv Morgan's head about Ruby Riot's loyalty. But Liv gets her head back in the game, tags in, and now it's on. Liv Morgan lands a double stomp to Peyton in the corner, but only gets the two off of that. Riot Squad then goes for a double suplex. However, a little later on, Iconics land their deja vu finisher, but Liv comes in for the save. Liv Morgan drags Ruby Wyatt, tagging herself in. After some back and forth or reversals of double team finishers, the newly reformed Riot Squad win with a single knee face buster riot kick combo. Oh yeah, solid way to kick off payback. Post-match, Liv and Ruby go to the kickoff panel. Super out of breath, I'd like to add. And Ruby lets the panel and the people at home know they're back. And better than ever. Little nod to Eric Bischoff's theme song. Despite the miscommunication in this match, Ruby reminds Liv that she's been trying to tell her for months that she's changed. But how long will these two remain a cohesive unit? The two leave the kickoff panel with a few final words. Riot to live. Live to riot. Poetic words. As we would see on Raw this past Monday, the newly reformed Riot Squad would face off in a rematch against the Iconics. The winning team in this match would get a shot at the women's tag titles, but the losing team would have to disband. In a quick effort, Liv and Ruby pick up the win and the Iconics are iconic no more. Looks like we're getting the Riot Squad against the Women Tag Champions at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view later this month. I, for one, am excited to see how that pans out. As you guys will hear later on, we'll find out if the Golden Roll Models retain their titles or if Shayna and Nia picked up the win. Either which way, let's see if the newly reformed Riot Squad can pick up those titles. We shall see. Diving in into the main card, we've got some title action. United States Championship on the line as Apollo Crews defends against the CEO of the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley. You know, 
I personally just gotta give props to the Hurt Business. Those brothers, they dress up nice, real nice. I would personally rather be working with them than having a face against them. That's me personally. As MVP makes it known, he makes it known with a, with a nice quote. And then I'd like to also say MVP's been on an absolute roll with the promo game since he's been back since Royal Rumble of this year. He's, he's been on a roll. And tonight during payback was no different. MVP said, my man's going to Debo that championship and make sure you stay a permanent stay-at-home dad. I heard that, and I'm just thinking like, damn, MVP, why you got to do Apollo like that? But speaking of Debo, quick tangent for you guys. I was actually watching Friday and next Friday before the kickoff show. This match reminds me exactly of what Debo said to Craig and Pops R.I.P. John Witherspoon. It reminds me of exactly what Debo said in front of that animal truck that Pops is driving on next Friday as they're moving from the hood to Rancho Cucamonda. Debo said, as he stopped the truck and Craig was all scared and so was Pops, he was like, get out, Craig. This the rematch, punk. I literally got that vibe during this match as Bobby Lashley is challenging Apollo Letting it be known that this is a rematch. This is a time for the Hurt Business to shine. For this match, MVP and Shelton Benjamin sat ringside by the commentary table, keeping a close eye on things. Not too long after the match started, Paula Cruz lands a side moonsault to the outside, and MVP and Shelton, they intimidated Paula a little bit, show them that they mean business. They are the Hurt Business, and they mean business. Lashley starting to get all sorts of momentum back a little later on in the match, landing a running fireman's carry to the side of Apollo Crews against the ring post, a spot he's been landing more and more in the past few weeks, just messing people all sorts up, including Akira Tozawa's ninjas. Next up, we've got a big fallaway slam from Bobby Lashley, followed by a running shoulder thrust to the corner and an attempted stalling suplex, but Apollo reverses with an enziguri-like kick. Lashley lands that Yokosuka cutter that they call the Dominator, but it's not the Dominator. Yosuka cutter lands that only for the two. After being down for a little bit, Apollo goes up top and lands a big diving crossbody. Getting back up, Apollo lands some blows to the corner and lands a big corner splash. Apollo goes for that spinning out power bomb, but Lashley reverses. But Apollo bounces back real fast. Quick spine buster, followed by a standing moonsault. Apollo then attempts a gorilla press, but Bobby Lashley reverses, going for however you want to call it, Phil Nelson. I think he's still calling it the full Lashley. Back on Raw last night, he said the hurt lock. Whatever way they're calling it, either which way, Lashley goes for the full Nelson. But Apollo counters with some nice German suplexes and a frog splash. Low down style that D'Lo Brown would certainly be proud of. I love that variation of the frog splash. Just a nice change from the standard one. Not too soon after, though. Big spine buster from Bobby Lashley. Just tossing him up in the air real quick and just slamming him. Stopping all momentum that Apollo had. Lashley lands that full Nelson. Modifies it. Brings Apollo down with him. Apollo taps out. Folks, we've got a new U.S. champion. 
Bobby Lashley. The man himself made a tweet later on in the night. 14 years after first capturing that title, man's got it back. Post-match, Hurt Business do some photo ops with the new champion, with the CEO of the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley. But Apollo gets some licks in on the now new champion. Apollo, he's vowing to get that title back. The Hurt Business, they might stand tall with Bobby Lashley holding that U.S. title, but Apollo, he's very much hell-bent. Later backstage, Caleb Braxton, the lovely Caleb Braxton, standing outside of Roman Reigns' locker room. But my personal favorite, I have the man's DVD to the left of me in my small collection of DVDs. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Paul Heyman. He hesitates to throw a subtle shot at Kayla, saying that Charlie Caruso must not have been available. Paul Heyman, in true Paul Heyman fashion, keeps it powerful, yet vague about how he moves and evolves with clientele. We also learn, though, Roman Reigns has not signed a contract for tonight's match. What's up with that? Hmm. I was certainly curious. Shortly after, we've got the wrestling god, JBL, another fellow Texan, showing up in Keith Lee's locker room. Another fellow Texan, giving him some advice and something about money for a hedge fund? Anyway, JBL says that if Keith wins, he'll be on his way to getting that money for that hedge fund and being and feeling like a true superstar. However, JBL makes it clear that if Keith Lee loses, Randy Orton will still be the greatest, seeming to infer that if Keith Lee loses, he'll look lesser by being, well, the loser. Leave it to JBL to cut that deep. Next up, a match I certainly was looking forward to, and as I wear a shirt, I'm very excited to talk about it. We've got New Day's Big E against the fella himself, the Celtic Warrior Sheamus. Sheamus, via video before this match, lets E know that Kofi and Woods have been propping E up to fall. Sheamus doesn't seem to be phased by what E said on Talking Smack. He seems to be ready to do one thing. Bro kick and leave. Out the gate, this one is a rough and tough match as the two trade off grapples and rest holds. Shortly after, E throws Sheamus against the ropes, few leapfrogs from one big man, Big E. He hits Sheamus with a nice rebound back elbow. Sheamus, a little later on, however, lands a few of those 10 beats of the Baldrin. Sheamus, with all momentum on his side, lands a few kicks on the chest of Big E, attempting the pinfall and now goes for the leg, trying to pick apart that ankle on the left leg of Big E. Continuing at targeting of the left leg, Sheamus executes a very nice single leg crab, one that Lance Storm would certainly be proud of. Soon after, Sheamus lands a running kick to a grounded E. Sheamus going up top. Tries to land a maneuver off the top, but Big E catches him midair, landing those belly-to-bellies. But Sheamus reverses one of those with a headbutt. Very shortly after, Sheamus tries to throw Big E in the corner with a running attack. Tries to hit him in the corner with a running attack. But Big E reverses that, slams him with that Yurinagi. A little later in the match, E goes for that running mid-spear. But Sheamus knees him and executes a battering ram from the apron. That's a... Shorter block, for those who may want to know. Of course, E's catching his momentum. He's doing his thing. He was looking for that big splash, getting the hip gyration going. 
as he's known to do. But Sheamus reverses that, and it's a big Alabama slam with much respect to Hardcore Holly in the process. Sheamus lands a cloverleaf very shortly after with a modification on it, looking like Edge's Edge Cater, which is one of my favorite moves, especially in those older WWE games. But Big E, he ain't down, he ain't out, he dug in deep. He successfully lands that middle rope apron spear, knocking himself and Sheamus to the outside. Back in the ring, Big E looking for the big ending, but Sheamus reverses it with a heel hook on that left leg that he's been targeting the whole match. Sheamus then goes for a big running knee, but only gets the two. Fed up, ready to go, ginger with anger. Sheamus looks for that bro kick. But E counters it with a big power bomb. Big E lands the big ending, marking a big ending for this match. Big E wins, y'all. Big E won, y'all. He won. Post-match, Big E yells all sorts of stuff in celebration. He specifically gets at Corey Graves to let the people know. If you don't feel that, you don't feel me. E is not going for the haters. Or naysayers. The man is here. I thought that match was pretty doggone good. All bias aside of my love for Big E. Big E and Sheamus continue to show out. They continue to do the doggone thing. So big props to them. And even bigger props to Big E. Going backstage shortly after that match. We've got a new backstage interviewer. Elise Ashton. She interviews Matt Riddle. And Matt Riddle lets her know that Corbin has been killing his vibe a little bit like the Kendrick Lamar song. And he's ready to shut up the ridiculousness of one Baron Corbin, who I refuse to call king. However, the tweet that Elise mentioned about Baron Corbin saying Riddle is a failure, it did something to Matt Riddle that we haven't seen yet. It left Matt Riddle at a loss for words. The exact tweet from Baron Corbin reads as follows. Tonight, I proved that Matt Riddle is a failure in the WWE ring. By the way, he's already proven that he's a failure at home. Pfft, leave it to Baron Corbin to go for the jugular. As much as I hate to give him props, as much as he's one of the few heels I actually do despise, meaning he's doing his job, I'll give Baron Corbin that much. He's one of the few on the roster that is a true-hearted heel. He's not trying to be a cool heel, He's not trying to cater to the internet or whatever. Baron Corbin, quite frankly, loves to piss people off. Any interview I've read about Baron Corbin and his work, he he loves to get over on us in the audience who genuinely hate him. I certainly give him my props. So props to you, Baron. I'm not calling you king because we've had enough kings and I ain't calling you king. Moving on. In a typical trope within WWE, we get the unlikely tandem opposite the track team of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler butting heads a little bit as they prepare for their tag title match against the Golden Roll Models. Let's see if they can get on track. See if they can get the dub later on. Next up, we've got quote-unquote King, Baron Corbin, against Matt Riddle. Unfortunately, in true King fashion, Corbin has a sedan and porters back. Oh, joy. In, of course, typical bad guy fashion. He couldn't let Matt Riddle have his moment. Matt Riddle barely got his sandals kicked off. His flip-flops. Pyro barely went off. 
Corbin socked him with a clothesline. Corbin's landing stomps here, stomps there, blows, all sorts of offense everywhere. Straight out the gate on Matt Riddle. Corbin's trying to match Riddle with some aggression here. Something I haven't seen from Corbin since he had hair still. Matt Riddle lands some kicks in the corner, landing some submissions, including a sleeper hold on Corbin. Riddle relocks in the sleeper on a grounded Corbin, went ahead and kept the lock tight with a body scissors in tow. Corbin swings the momentum back his way, doing his typical slide out the ring spot, getting back in the ring, landing that clothesline. I won't lie, I, I kind of enjoy that spot. I try not to give Baron Corbin too many props, but that's one that's kind of cool. Baron Corbin coming back with a submission of his own, a chicken wing. But Matt Riddle finally reverses that. Baron Corbin quickly bounces back fast with a sidewalk slam, only for the two. Big back elbow from Corbin. Trying to get the pinfall again, only for the two. Matt Riddle's not going. He came back with a big roundhouse kick. Kicking Corbin so hard, he rolled out the ring. Back in the ring, Riddle lands a nice Pele-like kick, getting some big offense in on Corbin, landing a Broton, and a running knee. Only for the two, though. Matt Riddle, he's digging in deep, bro. Real deep. So deep that Baron Corbin hits a deep six. But only for the two. Impressive. Corbin... Land some more blows on Matt Riddle, but Matt Riddle locks a triangle hold in. Followed by that triangle hold, he lands a bro to sleep. Followed by the floating bro. The bro, Matt Riddle, picks up the win. Post-match, new backstage announcer, Elise. She tries to interview Matt Riddle. Attempts to. But Baron Corbin would apparently, you saying bolt-like speed, runs... Backstage beats down Matt Riddle, being the true sore loser he is. Looks like this one isn't done yet. You know, I will say, though, the only thing I don't... There's two things I don't care for with this feud. Number one, will somebody please... Please, please, please... Give Chad Gable his name back. As one Minnesotan to another... Chad Gable is from Minneapolis, Minnesota, for those who don't, or he's at least built from here. I know he's from somewhere in Minnesota. I think it's Minneapolis, but someone will probably correct me on that. Please give the man back his name. All the accolades Chad has had, whether that's been in WWE or the 2012 Olympics, give the man his name back. Like, you've got him looking like an imbecile, calling him Shorty G. Why? It to me it makes no sense. And number two, this whole not even so much the King's Ransom thing, that's equally ridiculous. So that's one and a half. But the second thing is why are we supposed to believe that Matt Riddle is so beneath Baron Corbin? We get it that he's a king or supposed to be a king, king of the ring, all this and that. Which another thing that bothers me is that. For Chad Gable to align himself with Baron Corbin, the man who beat him in the King of the Ring finals, that's blasphemous alone. But the fact that Baron Corbin, out of all people, thinks that Matt Riddle is beneath him? Come on, son. It's it's a bit ridiculous for me. I hope, however, that if this feud does continue, I hope that it 
somewhat elevates both men because I think Corbin needs to finally move up to the universal title hunt and Matt Riddle needs to be going in the direction of intercontinental championship or, you know, getting him and Drew Gulak back together. And I know they were a tag team at one point. So I hope the feud, the continuation of the feud, I hope it helps both men in some way, shape or form. Next up, we've got Women's Tag Team Championship action. We've got the Golden Role Models defending against the unlikely tandem of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. So I'd like to note that the promo that they showed before this match, the song was pretty catchy. I don't often say that about songs, about hip-hop songs that get used in WWE because at least with Raw and SmackDown, they're kind of cornier. NXT, not so much. I applaud NXT very much for... I think the last rap song they used was a Denzel Curry song. It escapes me which song at the moment, but it was a remix of a Denzel Curry song. So I applaud at least NXT for using something good in comparison to the pop rap sound. But that I'm going to say for another podcast. All... Music preferences aside, I thought the song fit very well. We set the bar high. It fit very well for the Golden Role Models promo. It was very catchy. Let's see how well it holds up after this match. Bailey, as of recording this podcast, and now actually I'm recording it a day later than I thought, she is in her 325th or I think 326th day as SmackDown Women's Champion. It's one of the two. But she's getting close to a year here. Out the gate, there was already some some pretty big offense going in. Golden role models are trying to definitely weaken down Nia and Shayna. It didn't work too well. As Shayna landed a modified abdominal stretch on Sasha and tries to stomp on her hand. And Sasha manages to get out of it and tags Bailey. Shayna, however, had some of that same submission work for Bailey. Sasha grabs the leg of Nia Jax. And sends her to the outside, quickly getting out the ring and doing that, leaving Shayna to the disadvantage against the Golden Role Models. Bailey quickly went for the pinfall on Shayna Baszler, but Nia rolled Sasha into the ring, into the pinfall, breaking it up completely. Soon after, Sasha gets freaking ragdolled by Nia Jax, getting tossed into the barricade. Nia, with her strength, lands a running body splash on Bailey, followed by a running elbow drop. The two teams are going back and forth on this dynamic of divide and conquer. My thought was, who is it going to benefit more? Shayna was looking a bit concerned as Sasha was landing some blows on Nia Jax, followed by a drop kick on the ground at Nia. Bailey in shortly after, focusing on those legs of Nia Jax, trying to take advantage of Nia Jax's history with leg injuries. Later on, we've got Nia Jax going for the running leg drop. Bailey goes for a lug lock, only to hold on getting dragged to that other side as Nia Jax tags Shayna. The frequent tags were quite insane to keep up with here. Nia, keeping true to her style, lands a big running corner splash a little later on. Nia Jax tries to go for the powerbomb, but Sasha reverses with a wicked face buster. Bailey getting tagged back in, lands that diving elbow drop. Then the frog splash from Sasha, both paying big homage to some of their favorites. But all of that work, all those tributes, all that 
diving elbow work, all that frog splash work. Only for the two. But the golden role models, they don't they don't stay down for too long. They land a big back body drop on Nia Jax. However, in the spot of the night, Shayna Baszler lands a double submission on the golden role models. Shayna locks Bailey in a Kirafita clutch and Sasha in a Muda lock. Shayna leans back, locks in the Kirafuda, takes Sasha's arm, and puts it over Bailey's, using it as a weapon, in the words of the woman herself. Definitely go back, watch the match, watch it for the finish alone. Blows my mind even discussing it again. Shayna picks up the win via submission for her and Nia Jax. New champions, y'all! Wow. New champions. Post-match, we see the dynamic of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler and their celebratory speech to Charlie Caruso, which was a bit odd. Charlie, in an attempt to get a sense of how the two feel, Nia goes all going to Disneyland on us with some happy yelling. Shayna, who's clearly happy, she's a little more cool, calm, and collected. I will say, that match... It was it was good. I'll, I'll discuss it more at the end here, but there there were a few things I thought that could have been done a little bit differently, but the four women managed to get it done. So certainly props to all four of them. Next up, we've got Raw's newest acquisition, Keith Lee, versus the Viper, the Apex Predator, the Legend Killer, Reborn, Randy Orton. In typical fashion, Randy Orton, he starts the match off how he does. Typical Randy style. Little mind games here and there. But Keith Lee lands a big running crossbody to an incoming Randy Orton. Randy Orton lands some big chops on Keith Lee. Trying to see how much Keith Lee can really take. But Keith Lee's taking it. He's a big fella. Us big fellas can take a little take a little damage. Keith Lee bounces back with the Grizzly Magnum cross chop on Randy Orton in return. Looking for a running corner attack. Randy Orton sends him into the turnbuckle shoulder first. On the outside, Randy Orton, he lands that back suplex on Keith Lee to the announcer's table. Back in the ring, Randy Orton doing what he does best, keeping Keith Lee grounded with a resting hold. Keith Lee, however, finally back up, lands a big shoulder block, pounce style, on Randy Orton, sending him back to the outside. And back on the outside, Keith Lee takes a page out of one Randy Orton's book, Landing a back suplex of his own to Randy on the announcer's table. But back in the ring, as keeps getting in the ring, Randy Orton grabs that neck fast. Boom! Apron spike DDT. Oh, we know what's next. We know what's bound to be next. The most three devastating letters in WWE today. But Keith Lee reverses that attempt of the RKO and lands a spirit bomb. Bask in his glory because Keith Lee picks up a humongous win over Randy Orton. I gotta say, I thought that match was gonna be a 20-23 minute match. Come to find out it was like a six and a half, seven minute match. A lot quicker than I expected, that's for sure. But both men did it justice for sure. As we'd see the following night on Raw, the two men would see each other again. Randy Orton got the win that time, but... It was in the triple threat match, which we'll briefly discuss towards the end of the podcast. Backstage, Kayla Braxton, the lovely Kayla Braxton, 
tries to ask Paul Heyman again if Roman Reigns has signed the contract for the main event, the Universal title match. Heyman reassures her that Roman will be here tonight and he will win the Universal Championship. We know Paul Heyman is not one to mince words. With Roman Reigns and his clientele, Paul Heyman might even be more unstoppable than ever. That's not a prediction either. It's a spoiler. Next up, we've got the Monday Night Messiah and his disciple, Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, against the father-son tandem, Dominic Mysterio, with his pop, Rey Mysterio. Out the gate, Dominic lands some blows on Rollins and Murphy, wasting no time. Quickly back in the ring, Seth lands a kick on Dominic. Dominic lands one in return. Follows up with a big springboard arm drag. Seth didn't see that one coming. Dominic looks for an arm drag on Murphy, but Murphy reverses it, yet manages to end up in another one from Dominic, landing a drop kick. The father-son team lands a Russian leg sweep, running grounded drop kick combo on Buddy Murphy. Ray, with no mince of words, tells Seth to get in the ring. Papa Ray slaps Rollins, but Seth overpowers him, taking him to the corner. Ray soon after bounces back with a running senton only for the two. Later on, Rollins and Murphy trade off on running shoulder attacks to Ray in the corner, keeping Ray separated from Dominic. Ray, finally getting some steam back, lands that signature wheelbarrow bulldog. Finally getting some momentum back, Ray's in from the hot tag, landing a head scissors takeover and a springboard moonsault. Dominic lands a big DDT on Murphy. Seth then lands a sling blade in return. Both teams landing some big offense here. Ray, he goes for a diving crossbody, but Seth counters with some double knees and a super kick. Oof. Seth, of course, we knew what time it was. Seth went for the curb stomp, but Ray Mysterio counters. Yet, Seth Rollins lands a wheelbarrow to plant Ray. On the outside, Murphy and Seth send Dominic and Ray into respective barricades. Seth was looking for a powerbomb knee tandem back in the ring, but Ray sends Seth flying into Murphy's knee, making Murphy kick Seth in the process. Dominic slides Ray to the outside, giving him a chance to land a sunset flip powerbomb on Seth against that barricade. Dominic, he lands a 619 on Murphy and a frog splash for the win. For the W. The Thotter and Son tandem take the win. Oh man, post-match, Seth Rollins did not look happy with Murphy after such a mess-up. He pretty much left Murphy to dry. Now I will say, this Rey Mysterio-Seth Rollins feud has been going on and off since post-Survivor Series, so we're about two and a half months away from this going on and off for a year. I was hoping their scheduled one-on-one match that was supposed to be scheduled for Raw would conclude this feud. However, due to Rey's injury... Dominic Mysterio would end up taking his dad's place on Raw to face Seth Rollins instead. Then the stakes ended up being higher than ever. As we'd find out, the match became an opportunity to be in the number one contender triple threat match later on in the night. Before their match begins, Seth Rollins, he gives Murphy a piece of his messiah mind. Following that payback loss, Seth Rollins wastes no words on Murphy. Tells him to get out of his ring until he figures out how to be on the right side of history. However, I think Seth Rollins has a few other issues to take care of. As we would see in that triple threat match back on Raw, 
Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, and Keith Lee faced off to determine the new number one contender for the WWE Championship. Finish that match, Randy Orton jumps pretty doggone high, lands RKO on Keith, quickly jumps and rolls over Keith Lee and pins one Seth Rollins. So I think Seth Rollins has a lot of reflecting to do. Backstage, the Hurt Business, they look to be gearing up for a celebration tonight. Knowing the Hurt Business, knowing MVP, probably had some connections. Them fellas probably found a way to celebrate even during this COVID era. And now, the main event. Universal Championship on the line. The champion, the fiend, Bray Wyatt, against Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns, who still hadn't signed a contract. So starting off the gate for this one, I'm always weary about the champion coming out first in the championship match. That's usually not a good sign of things to come. Lo and behold, it was not. Because Braun Strowman attacks the Fiend out of nowhere. That explains why it came out first. Braun Strowman lands a running power slam out the gate, right out the gate. Just like that. However, the Fiend comes out the corner with the running crossbody. Fiend finally gets his coat off and gears up the rope on Braun. On the outside, Fiend lands a Uranagi to Braun through the announcer's table. Quickly, the Fiend even had Corey Graves and Michael Cole running scared. I thought that was a nice touch. Not too often we see the announcers really scared like that, if you exclude retribution. However, backstage, Alexa Bliss, she was looking on, straight Harley Quinn style with the hair and the pigtails and the one little braid going on. I'm interested to see how that pans out. Back to the in-ring action. Fiend digs out that infamous mallet that we've only seen a handful of times. But to prevent any hits, Braun throws an announcer's chair right at the Fiend. A spot we haven't seen since Braun's last feud with Roman Reigns. Braun Strowman tries to grab the mallet, but the Fiend kicks Braun right in the stomach. And then BAM! Cross a jaw with the mallet. Fiend then lands that snap neck crank spot to Braun while he stands elevated on the stairs. Speaking of stairs, the Fiend hits Braun Strowman in the right shoulder with the stairs. Again, they show Alexa Bliss looking on backstage, again twirling that single strand of braided hair. Quickly back to the ring action. Another one. Another snap neck crank from the Fiend to Braun Strowman. Fiend was looking for that sister Abigail. Braun Strowman reverses with a headbutt and rams the Fiend off the stage. Going down right with him. Mm. Back in the ring, though, Braun Strowman goes up top. We know Braun can go up to the top. He doesn't do it often, but it's impressive when he does. Big Man was looking for the aerial offense, but the Fiend stops him. And what does the Fiend go and do? He lands a superplex, causing the ring to implode. I have mixed thoughts about that. It's the infamous Brock Lesnar Big Show spot. That was a day or two after my 11th birthday in June 2003. I remember watching that spot and being amazed back then. Since then, we have seen it done with Big Show and Mark Henry at Vengeance 2011 or 12. We've seen it done 
with Big Show and Braun Strowman. And now we've seen it done with The Fiend and Braun Strowman. I personally think they should have left that spot alone after Brock and Big Show. That's just me. All of that aside, imploded ring, Charles Robinson, incapacitated, rolled backwards out the ring. Here comes the big dog with the new bites, with the advocate, signing the contract at that very moment before making his way down to an imploded ring. Wow. Roman Reigns shortly after yells to get a new ref. Roman Reigns went for that pinfall. He only got a two. Went for it again. Two! Two fall attempts on The Fiend. Same exact thing happens when he tries to get Braun for the pinfall. Roman Reigns with this new attitude and the new bite. He goes swinging. He grabs a chair. He goes Thunderdome swinging. Hits Braun with that chair a few times. Still only gets a two fall. But Fiend, he pops back up. Mandible call real quick with the glove. But Roman Reigns, he takes a page out of Shinsuke Nakamura's book. A low blow kick to the Yowie Wowies to reverse the mandible claw. Roman Reigns, he sees Braun Strowman down. And what does he gear up for? A spear. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is correct. Roman Reigns. Gains back the title that he never lost in an imploded ring. New Universal Champion. Roman Reigns holds it up high as Paul Heyman's right beside him, showing that ever so devious grin. Wow. What a finish. What a finish. Overall, this was a fun pay-per-view for it being a week after one of the major big four pay-per-views that took place. Do I think they should have a pay-per-view so soon after another one? No, but for how they managed to pull it off, I think it was very well done. The more I stray away from being on social media during a wrestling event, whether that's a Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Impact, ROH, you name it, the more I stray away from being on social media during that, the more I sit back and enjoy it. However, I will say I have to give a big shout out again to the peeps in the NAAW Facebook group. Funny enough, I ended up finding out about this group through a TikTok wrestling fan, Lou Nonsense. Shouts out to you as well. Hilarious videos. The smorgasbord of variety when it comes to opinions and perspectives in that group is refreshing to me. It helps that a good 75 to 90% of views in that group align with my own when it comes to thoughts on pro wrestling. Being in this group, it beats the craziness and insanity of other pages and outlets on Facebook, Twitter, etc. that I've been in, involved with, etc. The TLDR version, the Too Long Didn't Read version, I feel like I finally found my like-minded peeps. And it's helping me find my love for wrestling all over again. And to me, that means a lot. It means a lot. So I thank each and every one of you who are in that group. I didn't always feel like I had that love with the few wrestling fans I was acquainted with to keep it very brief. So again, to all of my NAAW peeps, I appreciate all of you and salute you. Thank you guys for having me. Let's keep it rocking and rolling. I hope to contribute a lot more to that group. So as the usual, let's break down some final thoughts about payback. Payback without retribution? I was a bit surprised that we didn't get any glimpse of retribution during the payback pay-per-view. It seemed to write itself. Payback. Retribution. 
I'm curious why there is no involvement from the rogue chaotic group. A night where the biggest of targets are facing off, retribution seems to stay hidden in the dark spaces of the Thunderdome. One thing I'm curious about, is there a pattern here that we're missing out on? Is there some well-veiled hint about retribution that's right in front of our face? Or is it all random as weeks go on? I'm hoping there's some sort of curtain pullback soon on why Retribution is doing all the hoopla they're doing. Number two, the art of storytelling, tag team match edition. Maybe it's just me, but I felt a slight disconnect in all three tag matches during payback. The matches either seemed to go a thousand miles a minute with the little intricacies sped up or completely missed. Now, I completely understand. Long gone are the days of cohesive teams such as APA, the Dudleys, the Hardys, Harlem Heat, but why do we have to lose the art of tag team matches, at least in WWE anyway? It's been said by former tag teams who have departed WWE that there isn't much care or concern for legit tag teams. Now, if WWE doesn't care much for tag teams or concern with tag matches, why should we as fans? Granted, there were some bright spots in each of the three tag matches, but I couldn't help feel an overload seeing the cacophony in these matches play out as I was watching it. And number three, in the words of the stylistics, payback is a dog, a big dog. Roman Reigns did exactly what he said he was going to do and won the Universal Championship, the very title he never lost. Almost two years ago, October 2018, Roman Reigns had to relinquish the Universal Championship due to his leukemia returning. It's pretty fitting that almost two years later, he wins the Universal Championship once again. I'm intrigued how Roman Reigns will carry himself with Paul Heyman as his advocate. This feels as eerie as Stone Cold aligning with Vince McMahon, or as eerie as Kane unmasking in June 2003. I hope Roman runs with this, and bring some well-needed areas out that have been desired by most fans in terms of his character. But hey, the big dog has my attention, now more than he ever has. So, as I do with you guys, pretty huge, I'm going to leave you with some wise words of wisdom. Often, I try to do my own wise words of wisdom, but I felt it was very important to take a quote of some wise words from the now late Chadwick Boseman. Some words he spoke in the 2018 Howard University commencement speech from the man himself. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. As you commence to your paths, press on with pride and press on with purpose. Very well said from a great man that we lost very recently, Chadwick Boseman, in roles such as Black Panther, of course, Played Jackie Robinson, played James Brown. Man has been in some very great roles. So before I end, I just want to say, rest in peace, Mr. Chadwick Boseman. You will be greatly missed. That does it for this episode of The Man with the Plan. We'll be gearing up for some non-wrestling episodes here for a while to kind of bring something new to you guys, bring something slightly different. As usual, guys, I am The Man with the Plan, Be the Man, signing out. The man with the plan. Nothing more, nothing less.